The Gospel according to Mark wastes no time. Written during a period of persecution and turmoil, the Gospel writer plunges us into the life of Christ. In this Gospel, there's no metaphysical poetry to begin, no birth narrative, no boy Jesus in the temple. It begins with a prophet pushed to the edge of the wilderness, a baptism of Jesus that forces him into the wilderness, an urgent call to repentance and belief, and fishermen abandoning their nets in the boat. Why the urgency? What's the rush? For Mark, this is a story of life and death. It's a story of an existential struggle between the forces of empire that possess and bind and the powers of God that seek to set people free. Into that struggle, we have been dropped. Following this itinerant teacher and healer on the Sabbath, encountering someone possessed by forces outside of their control. Mark's gospel begins the action with Jesus of Nazareth in a world where no one is free. You may have heard me say this before, but several years ago, when I was presenting to peers about the nature of authority, my understanding of authority changed forever. Our cultural cues often teach us that authority is simply about coercive power, that is, the power of one person or group over and against another. And certainly that is one way that authority is used and understood. But what I learned as I looked at the word authority is that the, word, the root of this word is to author, to create. So one who acts with authority is one who creates. My feeling is that this is why those gathered on the Sabbath that day in Capernaum were so amazed, so struck by the teaching of Jesus. He was naming truths that they knew but had not yet put into words. He was telling a story that those who had become entangled with vested power could not or would not tell. Have you ever come across someone, either in person or in print, whose words and actions resonated so clearly that you knew what the world, what your life, who you are, why we're here, in a way that made more of it all? My sense is that this is why those gathered there that Sabbath day were awed astonished, moved, because the life that Jesus was creating in their midst was not one that they knew, but it was one for which they yearned. Was the man who was possessed, was he there the whole time? Was he drawn to the synagogue because of the teachings of Jesus? Was the teaching of Jesus just one step too far? And I realize that it can be difficult for our 21st century ears to hear stories like this from the first century. Was this mental illness? Did this man suffer from a chemical imbalance? 
is hard to know. But what seems clear to me, considering the intent of this gospel and the placement of this confrontation, is that the gospel writer is telling this story so that we can understand a larger truth. That while this man was bound, possessed by a force beyond his own control, so were those people. So are we, held, bound, deformed by forces that numb us to the pain of others, turn us against one another through mistrust and division, and keep us from breaking these destructive patterns. And so it is no wonder to me that when Jesus came teaching about a different way to live, creating a new realm in their midst, that the voices of possession cried out to control him. A friend of mine and her partner, both of whom are white, adopted two children who are black. And several years ago, at her youngest's first, first birthday party, as the party was dying down, a black friend of hers took her aside. And with fierce love, she told my friend that there needed to be more black folks at this girl's birthday parties in the years to come. Because it was really important that as she grew up, this little black girl had black folks around her to help raise, love, and give witness to her. My friend was a bit stunned and a bit hurt. She hadn't expected this. She hadn't seen this coming. And yet, as she sat with it for some time, she realized that it was absolutely true. And that as hard as it was, her friend had offered her some righteous, challenging healing. That's what's taking place here between Jesus and the man with the unclean spirit. Healing. Jesus rebukes the spirit. This word rebuke, epitomio in the Greek, comes with a sense of command, a, a stern order, um, a kind of a talking to which doesn't always feel like healing. But sometimes I think of it like uh, having a dislocated joint. It's painful to put it back into right relationship. But it is more painful to live out of joint. Sometimes we need to accept rebuke in order to be healed. All through this gospel, when people try to keep others who are vulnerable from getting close to Jesus, whether they are little children or a blind man, Jesus rebukes them. He commands them to stop so that those who have been forced to the edges can come to the center. This exorcism, this rebuking of the unclean spirit is the creative power of relocating relationship. How we're to live together in goodness and in wholeness. By naming the presuppositions and the unrealized allegiances that bind us and hold us fast. But the center point of this story 
is that as strong as those forces are, and they are strong enough to bind us sometimes for centuries, the power of God is able to recreate us once again. But the unclean spirit does not go down without a fight. Which feels accurate to me. When rebuked, I often want to fight. There's a visceral feeling in my body as I hold tight to the pride or the self-righteousness that I have shielded myself with. And this week, as I've been entering into this story, I cannot help but think of our body politic, convulsing with the unclean spirit of white supremacy. I have in my mind and heart those images of those who stormed the Capitol, beating police officers, smearing feces on the walls, crying out with loud voices, convulsing. But that's not the only cry of struggle that I've heard these past few weeks. For months now, at All Souls and in other places, I've also heard another kind of a cry. A cry of prayer. And to be clear, this is not the kind of prayer in which I ask God to keep me just as I am, but just a little better. No, the kind of prayer that I'm thinking of is described by the Markin scholar and former Berkeley resident Ched Myers. As he wrote, this kind of prayer is an intensely personal struggle within each disciple and among us collectively to resist the despair and distractions that cause us to practice unbelief, to abandon or avoid the way of Jesus. To abandon or avoid the way of Jesus. Sometimes I resemble that remark. Friends, this struggle is real. For the demons that fill us with fear are not simply outside of us. And they do not have ultimate control of us. The focus of our scene now shifts back to the stunned worshipers in the synagogue at Capernaum. Having witnessed this healing, they don't know what to make of it. Once again, they are amazed. They are astonished. This is a new teaching with such authority. What else could be possible if this is what can be created? Sometimes this is the hardest truth to accept, that we can participate in God's authorship, in God's authority, in God's recreation. Often it is easier to give ourselves over to despair, not willing to risk that change just might be possible. The confrontation on the Sabbath now concluded. Word of the encounter spreads 
across the region. And I have to imagine that there were many who had feelings of possibility and hope and alongside had feelings of cynicism, of uncertainty. What if this Jesus is for real? What would that mean then? What of us, those who have vowed to listen to the Christ? What are we to do? What are we to do with this struggle? I've been considering Maggie's sermon from several weeks ago about the struggle that each of us in this country face. Because make no mistake, we are all bound up in this though not all in the same way. Some of us face the brunt of the storm. Some of us feel shielded from it. Some of us are feeling enough pain that they want to let it rage and destroy us all. But this story of Jesus is essential for us to hear this morning because he reminds us, he teaches us, he rebukes us that all of us, all of us are bound up in this web of dis-ease and distortion. And all of us can be set free.